0: This morning, uh, we are going to talk about uh, family ministries, and I'll I'll get into that in in just a minute. But one of the great injustices of life, and I've talked about this before, but it's a reality. One of the great injustices of life is that you don't choose the family that you're born into, right? You don't choose the family of origin that you come from. You have absolutely no uh, control over that whatsoever. And yet, the reality is, is that your family of origin or that you're born into shapes you in so many different ways doesn't it and for some people that is lots of blessing and a richness and a heritage that you are so thankful for and for other people there's a lot of pain and brokenness and hurt and things that you have to overcome and work through but the reality is is that you don't choose that big where you live the culture that you're born into all of that is outside of your control but here's the good news, and for some of you this is, uh, that other part is not always the good news, but here's the good news, and also the main point for this morning, and I want you to understand this right at the outset today. The main point of today is this, is that the choices that you make today and how you choose to live today will echo into the generations that follow. And so even though you can't choose the family of origin that you were born into, the choices that you make today and how you live today, today, will echo into the generations that follow. In other words, you are the family of origin for future generations. Think about that for a minute. And so we want to live in such a way that we understand that and the intentionality in that. And so we're beginning today a series on discipleship. And we're going to be talking about discipleship uh, in the next uh, four weeks in a variety of different ways. And it's a series that we're calling Discipleship at the Core for a variety of reasons. First of all, discipleship is at the very core of the great commandment that Jesus gave the church, when he said to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing on the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, teach them to obey these commandments. And he said, I am with you always. But at the very core of that commandment is this call to discipleship, to live as disciples, and to make disciples. Also, what we're going to be talking about in this month is the different context that we talk about, and as we think about our church, we think about these four different contexts that discipleship and the the church happens in. We call them our core ministries, or these these key areas of our churches, so things like family ministries, and missions, and small groups, and corporate worship gatherings, what you're at right here, right now. These are the contexts, or the containers, or the environments where discipleship happens, and so today, we're going to focus specifically on this context of family ministry to try to understand a little bit more of what that is and how we think about discipleship in the context of, of family ministries and what that looks like and what discipleship is. And so I want you to, to listen to this text, and I encourage you to turn there into Psalm uh, chapter 78 as we, as we think about discipleship and listen to the words of this text as you think about the generations and this, this reality of, of how the way that we live and the things that we teach, how it echoes into the generations that follow Psalm seventy-eight. The psalmist says it this way: "O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories that we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instructions to Israel." He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. And then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You know, we so often live in the immediate, don't we? We live in the, the here and now. And yet here we have a text that talks about at least four generations that we need to think about. Four generations that we need to think forward about. And, and oftentimes we think that, well, you know, life is just about us and it's it's just about our own even immediate family. Maybe if you are married or if you have children and think of their children and their children and so on. But it's broader than that. And we'll see that today. But here in this text, it, it speaks about tell these Next generations, the things about God, about what He has done. Pass these things along. Intentionality. Train them in these ways. Train them up in obedience. Help them to understand what God has done and the goodness of the gospel. And as I said, you can't choose your family of origin. You have no control over that, and yet the reality is that that shapes you in so many ways. You didn't choose your grandparents. You didn't choose your great-grandparents, you didn't choose your uncles and aunts, or your place of birth, or anything like that. And yet, out of their choices, out of choices that people have made who have preceded you, it has impacted your lives today. I think it's important that we understand uh, some of our history, and the impact that some of our history has had on us. And even this week, as I was reflecting more on some of my own family history, and And even reading up about some of those things, it it reminded me of some things. And I think about on my grandma's side, uh, or sorry, on my mom's side, my grandpa on that side, he left Europe at a very young age as the oldest child. He was, I think, 18 years old at the time. And he set out on a wild adventure to go to Canada. And most of his brothers ended up dying as Nazi soldiers. So I think about that, and I think, what a difference some of those choices that my ancestors made had on me. What would be different? What would have happened? How would life look different? When I look at the history on the inside, on my on my dad's side, and that's what this book is about. These are not my sermon notes. <laughs> but it's this wonderful book of Franz and Katharina Ends, and it tells the history of our family. And I was reading through some of this again this week and just understanding, again, some of where I've come from and how it goes back to Prussia and some of the colonies that were established there, impacted by the war at that time. And how my family came here and how my grandma was pregnant with my dad on the boat as they crossed the Atlantic Ocean. So he was conceived in Europe and born here in Canada in 1927. And again, the implications of that and those choices and decisions that were made by my ancestors and how it has affected me in such unique ways. And so when you look through these books, they tell fascinating stories. I remember one time, though, just as an interesting aside, when, when Lisa and I had just been married for a couple of years, and uh, I was at her uh, parents' place and looking through her family book, similar to this, and I was flipping through it, and all of a sudden I saw this picture that looked strange and so familiar, and I thought, that's odd. And I looked back, at it and I, I, I thought about, about some of the pictures I had, and I realized that it was a picture of my grandparents. Now I got really nervous. <laughs> and I said, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Parents were in your book, this shouldn't happen. <laughs> but then I realized that my grandparents and her grandparents were actually friends back in Europe, which is really cool. And how they, when they even came to Canada, they used to get together and they'd go up to Care River where I up and all this kind of stuff. And then I'd breathe a sigh of relief. It's okay, <laughs> that's really good. They can be in your book then, that's okay. But it also comes to the point of some of what I'm making today is that our family or those people that influence or connect with us are even beyond those who are just our bloodlines. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. So when I was looking at my book, we were asked to write some memories and some quotes. And uh, I was quite wordy, actually. Some of you will not be surprised by that. And uh, so in this book I wrote a thing, this was years ago, I think it was in, in 2000 that I wrote this, or maybe before that. And I wanted to read this one paragraph that I wrote in this book that, as I reflected on my family of origin, and they said this, I realized that I have been raised with a gift that many people in today's society simply have not had clear sense of identity, a strong family tradition, loving relationships, and a home environment that are full of love and a Christian faith that has been instilled through modeling and spoken word. All of these have shaped how I think and how I act today as an adult in a very confusing world, and I do not take these gifts for granted. So even there, just one paragraph, one thought, one expression of thankfulness for the reality and the impact of that context that I was born into that I had nothing to do with but by the grace of God. So that's the reality for each one of us. That others who go before us and the decisions that they make affects us, shapes us, sometimes gives us platforms to just continue on and to build on. Other times it gives us baggage that we have to work through and process and so on. But as we talk about discipleship and family ministry, I want you to think about the many generations of a family ministries that happen. The many generations of family ministry that we are called to, and again, we we so often think of, uh, like Westerners, we think of family in the immediate, we think, okay, mom, dad, kids, we think of that nucleus of a family. But if you ask other cultures, people from other uh, lands, about, tell me about your family, they'll start telling you about their great-grandparents and their grandparents. And they'll tell you about their uncles and aunts and their cousins. And they will immediately go to this broader net, this broader circle of influence that they'll start to describe. And yet in our Western world, we often don't think of it in that way. So I want us to think broader here this morning. Now you might also think, well, okay, I'm not married, or I don't have kids, or whatever the case would be. So I sort of feel like there's this asterisk beside my name when we talk about family and ministry. But here's the thing that you need to know is that every one of us has a role to play. Every one of us has a place in this thing that we call family ministries as sons and daughters because we are all sons and daughters, first of all. But also as uncles and aunts, either by blood or by spiritual family. Every one of us has a role to shape the generations that follow. Every one of us has a role to play in this generational echo that happens, whether it's with kids of our own or if we don't have kids, it's other people's kids and so on and and so forth. You know, as parents... For those of us who do have kids, we are given this mandate, this gift from God of these children, and we are called to be the spiritual leaders of our kids and to train them up in the ways of God, but it's an intimidating role. And for some of you, if you have young kids now, you're right in the middle of that, trying to figure that out and understand what that all is, to train them in obedience to Christ, to train them in the ways of the world, to make wise choices, all these kinds of things. Maybe for some of us, you've gone through life and you're thinking, wow, like, has any of it sunk in? Like, what, what impact has it had? Have they actually heard me? And you wonder that. And then and then something happens, like a, a youth leader comes along in, into their lives and speaks in their lives. Or maybe it's a spiritual uncle or aunt. Or maybe they hear uh, a speaker somewhere, and, and they say something that you've been saying for years. And all of a sudden, your kid comes home and says, hey, you know, mom and dad, guess what? Guess what I learned today? And they describe this most amazing thing. And you sit there and think, I've been telling Now, you've never heard it. Now, you could get frustrated with that. But what I would say to that is, I would say, praise God that there are other people who are saying the same things that you're saying as a parent into the lives of your children. We need to be thankful for that. That is such a gift when you have other people who are speaking into the lives of your children in different ways, even though that maybe they didn't get it from you or they just chose not to get it from you, but... To be thankful that other people are saying the very same things. That's why I try on a regular basis to say thank you to our youth leaders. To our children's ministry workers. To people who have spoken into the lives of my kids. And who have shaped them and molded them. Have been saying similar things that we've been saying into the lives of our kids. We all need that. Every parent longs for that. Older youth and young adults and older adults and grandparents who come alongside and we speak into the lives of our children. And affirm them and model a way to live that is godly and right and pure. Which is why every one of us has a role to play and a place in family ministries. To speak into the lives of the generations that follow, we all have a part to play. So we need to think broader. We also need to think further out into the many generations. Because even though we have no control over our family of origin, again, this good news is, is that one day you will be part of somebody's previous generation. You'll be part of somebody's family of origin in some way. You'll be part of that context that has shaped them. You'll be somebody in a book like this that they will look back on and refer to and read up about and say, What impact did Uncle So-and-So have in my life? What impact did Auntie or Grandpa or Grandma or these friends of the family like my grandparents in the book of Lisa's parents, uh, Lisa's family book? What impact did these people have in the lives of other people? We all have a role to play. And again, you can determine what echoes into the next generations in your life. You see, an echo is something that repeats. It's a sound, often you think of, a sound that repeats over and over again, but it's it's a copy of something that is similar to what preceded it. And sometimes it's actions. Sometimes it's words, yeah. What are the actions that echo into the generations that follow us? What are the words that echo into the generations that follow us? Are they, are they words of blessing and actions of faith and obedience, or are they something very different? You know, that word blessing is, is such a significant biblical word and one that is so powerful. And, and do we give this generational blessing that goes down through the generations, through spoken words of, of speaking a preferred future of people and seeing things in people that maybe they don't even see themselves, but, but sort of calling out in them the, the gifts of God and the attributes of God and the things that God has Wired them with that maybe they can't see that you can speak into their lives. And it's incredible how when you take the time to just say a spoken word into the life of somebody, who may be a blood relative, but maybe just somebody who's part of the church context or somebody that you're connected with, and you speak words of blessing and of promise in the future, the impact that that can have on the generations as we're all part of this generational ministry. And a little bit later... In the service, you're going to be given an opportunity with just a small card where we want you throughout today or this week to just write a word of blessing or encouragement and maybe even throughout the service that you might be thinking and praying, God, who who is it that you would have me blessed today? Who is it that you would help me to to lean into this generational blessing and this generational echo that needs to happen in our church and in our lives? So we need to think about not just... Uh, a couple of years out, not just five years out, not even ten years out, or fifty years out, but even like this text says, to think four generations out. What is the generational echo that's going to happen all the way down to the future? What will future generations say about our lives? About our faith? About our decisions? About our words? About what we did at the crossroads? How we handled our money? How we responded to relational crisis? we responded to temptations in our lives you know in many ways how you treat your wife will be the model for your sons in terms of how they will treat the women in their lives and maybe their future wife your daughters will treat your future son-in-laws the way that you talk to your husband all of these things have ripple effects people watch people observe people learn from those who go before and they looked for clues. What kind of life of faith is being modeled here? Is mom and dad's faith real? Or is it just something that they go to church about? Is grandpa and grandma's faith real? Or is it something that actually makes a difference in the decisions of how they live their lives? What will they say about us? What will some person say in future generations looking back again through the history books? About great uncle so-and-so or auntie so-and-so that they didn't even know. Because they are going to be living with the echo of our lives and theirs. And what will that echo sound like? What will it look like? So as we return to this text, and as you think about this text and what it is saying here, it says, don't hide these truths of who God is from the children. The psalmist says, teach them to the next generation. Be intentional about it. Tell them about God and what He has done. Train them in obedience. So declare your faith, talk about your faith on a regular basis as you walk along the road, as you sit down to eat a meal, as you put them to bed, as you interact with family gatherings. As you spend time together, are you telling people about the goodness of God Is that come out of our mouths and out of our lives? So that the next generation will know, even the ones not yet born, and that they too will tell their children. They too will tell their children, and it will go on generation after generation. goes out from one generation to the next so that so that each generation will set its hope anew on god so that every generation will see this modeled and spoken about from the generations that have preceded and they too will look into the claims of god and what it says in his word and test this and go through their times of doubt and wondering and saying, is this real or is this just a fake story And that at some point, that they too will set their hope on God in a very tangible way, in a personal way, as they grow up and become adults, that they will make it their own. They'll say, as for me and my house, I will choose the Lord as well. Not just because my parents did, or my grandparents did, or so-and-so did. So that's what this text is saying, that, that every generation will set its hope anew on God. Obeying His commands, remembering His miracles and His faithfulness. And not rebelling, or as scripture often talks about, rebelling is forgetting. Which is why often the command to remember. Because when we don't remember, we forget, and we fall away from the obedience of God, and the things of God, and walking in His life. Why is this important? Because it changes lives. It changes how you live. It changes how you respond to what life throws at you. When you declare the goodness of God and keep that in front of you and remind yourself and remind others around you of God's faithfulness and the truth of the gospel and all that that entails, it changes the patterns and disciplines and priorities that you put into your life. It changes how you fuse things, how you talk about things, how you respond, again, to crisis, temptations, and obstacles. It changes how you face the battles. As we keep reading in verse 9 of Psalm 78, you see what happens when people forget And they repelled. And it says this in 7, 8, verse 9. It says, the warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, they turned their backs and they fled on the day of battle. It's interesting that the tribe of Ephraim was one of the tribes of Israel, one of the people of God. They were some of the people who should have known these stories of God, should have had them passed down from generation to generation. But something happened there in that conveyance of this story of God and the faithfulness of who God is. And it shifted somehow. Because here were these people who should have had the courage to face the battles of the day, who had all that they needed, they were fully armed with all the things of God, and it says here that they were armed with bows, they had everything there, they should have had the faith of God, and yet they turned and they fled. Because this generational echo was not happening in their lives, It had broken off somewhere. Something changed. And they forgot who God is, and they forgot what God had done and you know what, when we when we hit the battles in our life and when we come up against these things that face us full on and we don't know what to do, think it's in those moments that these things are tested. And it's in those moments that all those years of training and walking and modeling and speaking and blessing and encouraging and coming alongside, it's in those moments where those things come forward and they come to that immediate moment when decisions have to be made and people have to choose where they're going to walk. And that's where this family ministry's context, this generational ministry is so significant and important because it it changes how you face the battles of the day. It will change how your children face the battles of the day. It'll change how your nieces and nephews will face the battles of the day. And how your grandchildren and great-grandchildren will face the battles of the day. Because they'll be watching you and to see how you face the battles of your day. So how we respond today matters. You will be somebody's previous generation. You currently are making your mark in this generation. So you need to ask yourself, what is the story that you want your future family to tell about how you lived your life? What's the story that you want written up in the history book that is beside your name that starts to declare who it is that you were and how it was that you lived and the choices that you made? And that way we have to, again, begin with the end in mind and think about what is the story that we want to tell about when we face difficult trials and we face the battle in one way or another. And things were coming at us and we were at a a crossroads and we had to make some choices. What's the story that we want the future generations to tell about our lives that will impact them? Will it be a story of blessing and faith? Or will it be a story of something else? You know, at the bottom of the handout that you've done in the and you'll see in that box there, it talks about application steps. And these application steps are just the four discipleship steps that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. We did that in a session on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago with ministry leaders, and we want to be walking through these in the weeks to follow. And we're not going to get... Walk through them all uh, specifically week to week, but make general applications and some specific applications. These are some, and and not to think of them as steps in terms of linear and sequential. There is a progression through them, yes, but it can happen largely in any order. But a step is an intentional movement in a certain direction. And so these are meant to be that, that we make intentional movements in a certain direction, that we, we step towards God in these different ways. And so, as we talk around these contexts, like family ministries, how are we creating a godly community in the different places that we're involved in? Are we experiencing and modeling Jesus' love in our lives? We talked about that last week. Do we really know the love of Christ and the love of God the Father? Do we understand that? Have we embraced that? Is that part of our lives and part of our DNA? Because if we haven't understood that, we have no story to tell. Are we intentional about training one another in obedience? As we think about that, it so applies to family ministries as you raise up your children and you're training them to walk in obedience to God. Not just obedience to you, but obedience to the ways of God. And then lastly, are we really intentional about serving others and proclaiming the gospel? Are we doing these things? Are we making these movements in the different places of our lives? And yes... We recognize that parents are the spiritual leaders of their kids. But we also are called to be spiritual leaders every one of us to the generations that follow. Family Ministries happens in all kinds of unique demographic kind of age categories or stage of life categories as part of the wonder and the complexity of it. Your your needs and the way that you learn and how you train up somebody when they are a young child is different than when they're a junior high person. It's different than when they're a senior high person. It changes again as you get into young adulthood. If you get married, it changes again. If you stay single, that looks different again. If you get divorced, that looks different again. As you get older and you get into your career, it looks different again. As you retire, it looks different again. So all of these different stages of life happen in different ways at different times. We're called to be spiritual leaders in all the generations that follow. And So how are these steps involved in our lives in this context? And you know, parents, one of the greatest things that you can do is to have a very real faith with Jesus Christ. If your children can see that you have experienced the love of Christ in your life and that you model it, that is the most impactful thing that you can do for them. The greatest determinant of a youth or a young adult staying close to Jesus is to have parents who exercise and model Jesus' love in the home. But when that's not there, when some homes who don't have that, when some parents who aren't walking in that way, when those aren't there, that's where it invites the entire church community, the broader family, to come alongside, where every one of us can be spiritual uncles and aunts or grandparents or brothers and sisters to help fill in the gap when we do that, generational echo happens in so many ways that honors God. I'm going to invite the worship team if they would come up at this time. And I ask you to just join with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text and this truth that we are to be people who remember. Your goodness and your faithfulness, and that we are to be people who just declare your glory throughout the nations, throughout history, but God, also that we are to be people who are to, to declare your goodness in our lives, to give testimony to and Lord, I pray for every person here, that regardless of what family context that we've come from, whether it's a context of blessing and strength, or it's a context of brokenness and hurt, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be people of resolve to walk in a new way. To make that faith our own so that every generation, starting with us, would put our hope in God. And that we would see that we all have a role to play in the generations that follow to walk in faith. To speak words of blessing. To have actions of faith. To live in response to you and your goodness and your faithfulness. And not to cower away and run like the warriors of Ephraim did. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that you would give us the boldness, and I pray that you would give us an understanding of how we can walk this up in the context of our generations. And we give you all the praise in Lord in Jesus' name.